Happy baseball season because baseball lives 365 days a year. This is episode number one, the inaugural episode of the Baseball 365 podcast. I am your host, Justin Hughes. We're here to talk all things baseball with most of it aimed at helping you out with your fantasy baseball teams, whether you're in redraft or dynasty leagues. We thank you for joining us today. Before we jump into our today's show, I want to invite you to join our Facebook group, Baseball 365. Over there, baseball does live 365 days a year. We're closing in on 1,000 members with dozens of posts and conversations going on daily. If It's the best place to talk about baseball on Facebook and get your questions answered. You can also follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. Check the show notes and you can see links on both. And now let me introduce my co-host, who's one of the best, smartest fantasy baseball players I know, Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm excited, man. This is going to be fun. Yeah, we, it is. We've, we've been talking about doing this for the last couple weeks. I had decided we were going to get this going on a, a, you know, our Facebook group, and Andrew offered to jump in here with me, and I was thrilled with that because Andrew is one of the best players I know. And... It means I don't have to do as much thinking. I can just ask questions a little more and think a little bit. So I'm real excited. Anything you, you want to say, add, as we get, get before we get started? No, just uh, just excited to be here and uh, talk some baseball. Yeah, man. It's, it's going to be a blast. So going forward for all of you guys, the plan is for us to do a weekly podcast. Occasionally we may miss a week. Occasionally we may do two a week. It's just we're going to see how things go here in terms of length, what, how long we end up talking. Because Andrew and I talk a lot on Facebook Messenger, and we can get carried away and talk for hours on it. So God knows what we're going to do here. So um, we're going to be covering baseball for redraft leagues and dynasty leagues, like I said in the open. Dynasty leagues are getting more and more popular with our Facebook um, group, Baseball 365. So that may be – we may try – we're going to definitely try to – have conversations about not only just what's going on now, but if you play in a dynasty league, how that could help you in the future. So, Andrew, before we get started, I thought it'd be good for us to just talk a little bit about ourselves and so people kind of know something about us. So I wanted to interview you first and ask, how long have you been playing fantasy baseball? I don't even know. Um, I started, well, actually, I'll go back even before that. When I was uh, when I was a kid, I would say I was around the age of twelve or thirteen, maybe. I had a friend who I went to games with and stuff. It was just you know one of my friends as a child, and his dad was very into it. Um, I would hang out at his house, and his dad was always you know he had his teams, and you know back then it was before a lot of stuff was really going with the internet, so it was real old school, you know, like mid nineties. But Wait, um, what was before the internet? What's that? What was before the internet? I that, I thought that's all that ever existed. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, you threw me off there. But um, yeah, he. Uh, so we we would help him out uh, with his. He was in a league where they rotated. It was AL only one year, and it would be NL only the next year. And we would just help out with their draft or auction. I honestly don't remember which it was. I think it was a draft, but it was so long ago. And I was just a kid that was giddy to help, you know. So, But I just remember thinking at the time, like, this is fun. Like, I'm going to be into this when I get older, you know. And uh, 
my first league, I, I think I played when I was around 18, 17, 18, um, right around 2000. And it was one of those where you had to like mail in your transactions. It was real. Oh uh, my. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I remember owning Beltron. One thing I specifically remember is owning Beltron right at the beginning when he was like the stud on the Royals. And, uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was, that was fun. I, I was just kind of experimenting with it more than anything because I didn't really know anything about it. And then in 2003, I started a league with friends from home. And uh, when we started it, we were, it was just going to be for that year, and we wound up making it a keeper league. And it ran from 2003 to 2016. So it, we, we went for 14 years. Um, wow. That's another yeah. long league. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, towards the end of it, it just, you know, there was just some people that had more interest in it than others. So it just kind of died out. I mean, a lot of my, uh, my close friends who were in the league, uh, they just, you know, had different interests. I mean, they weren't into it as I was basically to, to put it bluntly. So we kind of, uh, we kind of shut that down. And then, uh, right around that time in, uh, the winter of 2015 going into the 2016 season, I started, uh, the Rotomasters dynasty league, which many of our listeners know about, and it's been talked about in the group and you're actually in one of the leagues. I started it with, uh, Brian Crump, and we basically, basically what I kind of wanted was just a good dynasty league. But the thing was, was I kind of wanted it to be a certain way. And I knew that the only way that I was going to get it to be that way was to do it myself. It wasn't going to be by, you know, just going under somebody else's league that I didn't know anything about. So I was like, I just got to do this on my own. So I reached out to someone in the industry to help me out a little bit with the rules and um, put together a constitution, got some good owners. We started that in 2016, 2017. We started the second league Roto masters two, which you're actually in. Yes. And then uh, Roto masters three, we're starting this year and we actually start the startup draft on Sunday. So well, that's going to give us some great content to talk about. Yeah, as that goes on. So my next question, then you said that home league started in 2003. Have you have most of your leagues always been rotisserie or any other format? Yeah, I mean, I've played in other leagues other than that one. That one was always rotisserie. I mean, I've played in head to head and stuff like that. But I've just ultimately decided after playing it that rotisserie is my personal favorite. Yeah, I know a lot lot of people feel that way. But yeah, it's my personal favorite. So myself, I'll just throw, I got into fantasy baseball. I think my first league was a CBS points public league and I played CBS public points leagues for my first two or three years of playing from 2001 to 2003 or four ish. Then I got into a home league that was a head to head categories league that went for about five or six years. And I started my, that one folded. I started my own head to head one. And that ran for another six or seven years. I got finally got into a rotisserie keeper league about eight years ago, I think. And I fell in love with rotisserie immediately because the head-to-head format, it wasn't for me because I like seeing the best team for the year win. And it was. I think I'd get yeah. frustrated whenever I'd be the second or third or 
or I, I'd have the best season going to the playoffs and lose. But, you know, the counter to that is some, you know, in the major leagues, you just got to get into the playoffs and then whoever wins in October wins. So I get both arguments, but I think I agree with you. Rotisserie was definitely, it's the only style I play now. So I think a lot of our conversations here on this podcast will probably lean towards rotisserie. So if you play in points leagues or head to head category leagues, we may not be as much help, which I guess head to head category. It's still, it's still rotisserie. categories. So yeah, it's not too far off. Yeah. Okay, well, I think this will this will be a good opportunity to go into some news that's happened over the last week. What do you think? Sounds good. All right, so the first and biggest news of the week has to go be about Francisco Lindor, and I know this one's going to hurt you because I know <laughs> Lindor's on your Rotomasters one team, but he had a cap, he has a calf injury, and it looks like he's going to be out. I think they said six to eight weeks which pushes him questionable for opening day. I mean, there's a chance he may be out the first couple weeks of the year. Andrew, does this affect how you're drafting him in redraft? Oh, this one hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, yeah, I own, I own him in two of my three dynasty leagues. In redraft, I would move him down some. I, I probably had him around five five, you know, that four, five, six area before, before this happened. Um, I would probably take him around the wheel to the middle. I wouldn't let him go much past the middle of the second though. I I'm not real worried about it. I, I get that it, it could linger. The good thing is, and I'm always trying to think of the positive spin on it because it's easy to just get down about this but the good thing about it is is it happened when it did yeah if, if it would have happened on april 10th you know instead of basically Crippling. february 10th yeah then he's out for a third of the season so all is not lost um but i get it because in a redraft league it's the sprint of one year and anything that could affect that even even just a lingering injury that lingers into april or early may whatever when you're comparing him to other elite players, I can see dropping him behind several of those. So I have no problem with it. I, if I was in the back half, like the 12 to 15 range, I, I would possibly draft him, though, because I, I still think there can be value there. He's awesome. You know, I was thinking about it. You and I both participated in the Prospect 361 mock that happened on Sunday. Unfortunately, we only got five rounds in because we had some technical issues, but... I had the 14th pick. If I recall right, you were in the six hole, right? You remember? Yeah. Yeah, I believe it was six. Yeah. And when it got to me, I took Chris Sale at the 14 hole and going back around, I took Bryce Harper. But the more I thought about it after the fact, you know, the thing with Lindor, he may miss a week or two into the season and you never know. I mean, that this there's it could be longer or shorter, but they're projecting six to eight weeks, I think. So that puts him somewhere right around opening day or right after. And he hit 30. He's good for 30 to 40 home runs if he's healthy, or at least he, I shouldn't say he's good for, he's done that the last two years, 33 in 2017, 38 and 2018. The 25 steals is the part to be worried about because, you know, leg injuries that can slow somebody down for an entire season. I mean, I shouldn't say an entire season, but the first half and, are you worried about his stolen bases when he returns? 
personally? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him being like 15 to 18 maybe this mm-hmm. year. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to say because there's there's a gap here now where he's just recovering and, you know, you trust that they'll do the right things within the organization to get him as ready as they can. I mean, I, I expect that to happen. And I think he'll, he should be fine. But yeah, as far as the steals go, it may not be, that would be the one stat that I would expect that could drop. If any of them drop, it, it would be that I would think. Yeah. So I remember in 2009, I, I used to play softball a lot and I still try playing when I can. And the first game of the softball season, I was, I was a, I was really fast at that time. And I was the leadoff guy. And I remember I got a single in the first at bat and some, the next guy hit a gapper and I'm running. And <laughs> it's one where I'm going to score. And I run round third base and my hammy blew out. Oh, I just, boy. I crashed. I didn't <laughs> even know what happened when it happened. Cause I'd never pulled a hamstring before. And it took me about a week or two to recover. And, but I remember just with that, the rest of the year, I was, I could tell that I was just running more gingerly. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder like a big injury like that. Cause I'm sure Lindor and me, we're pretty similar style athletes. I'm sure we're pretty similar, <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I worry about that stuff with leg injuries to where does it make you more gun shy or even, are you just being a little more careful? Cause you can almost feel something in there. Like you don't want to tear it again. So, right. I don't right. know. It's to be, but the reason I said all of that is I picked Bryce Harper with in the second round, and with that pick, Bryce Harper's kind of a guy who you're hoping can hit thirty to forty home runs and steal ten to fifteen bases, and with a lot of other beautiful counting counting stats to go with it. But Lindor, let's say he does return healthy, and or if he steals fifteen bases, and that's he could. I mean, that's similar to Bryce Harper, except out of the shortstop position which I guess is deeper this year, but still I think I would, I think if I could have d- gone back, I'd have taken Lindor in that slot. That's why I was saying all that. And I think you did take him in the second, didn't you? No, no, he went oh. in front of me. It was, I think it was the guy right in the middle, like right around pick eight or nine. I don't, for, for what it's worth, I don't think it's a problem taking Harper over Lindor either. I mean, <laughs> Harper's Harper's ceiling is very high, you know? So yes. it's, it, there's, there's guys where if you said you wanted to p- take Lindor ahead of them or behind them, I'm not really going to argue it too much because this is all kind of a fluid situation, I feel like, until we get a little closer to the season and know a little more what's going on. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on to the next thing. Um, free agent signings, they're starting to trickle in. We've had a few of them, but not Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. They're still free agents. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do we even care in terms of fantasy baseball that they're unsigned right now? No, no, I don't care. I, no. I, I won't, uh, I won't care until it's probably about a month from now, three to four weeks, maybe then I might start caring, but I don't care yet. The only so, thing is the only thing that's just frustrating to me right now is I'm just tired of hearing about it. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, I just want it to be like, I want to know where they're going. You know, I feel like what? everybody, feel you don't like, like the does. daily notes that he <laughs> talked to the giants for three hours or the yeah. Padres might still be in it. It's everybody. It's everybody. <laughs> it's like a bunch every day. of noise. Yeah. It's every day. It's a new team. I've gotten to the point. I just almost filter it out. And then if, 
when I hear that he, they actually sign, I don't even think I'm going to believe it <laughs> at first because I'm going to be like, oh, no, this is just like the other 15 times that I've heard something. So you're going to need to see him on the MLB network holding the yeah. Padres jersey before right. you start thinking. That. Right. And even then you might question it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but yeah. no, I don't I don't think it affects I don't think it affects him for fantasy yet. Anyways, it's it's still early enough. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think it'd have to be mid-March, about two to three weeks before the season starts, before I'd start caring. So, all right, we're going to get off that and move on to the next thing. Sergio Romo signed a one-year deal with Miami. So, Romo saved games in Tampa Tampa last year. Do you think he's going to end up being the closer there in Miami to start the year? You know what? I will be honest. When I saw this news... I hopped on to look in all my leagues to see if he was available. Because while he's not great, I mean, he's nothing special. But I kind of have thought whatever reliever like this, like I thought it was going to be Bud Norris for a little bit. Apparently, you know, not Bud him, Norris but was that guy last year. Yeah, I just I kind of thought whatever veteran reliever that has closing experience or whatever signs with the Marlins, is going to get saves. And, I mean, I'm not guaranteeing it that it's going to be Sergio Romo, but I'll admit, like I said, when I heard this, I immediately went on to just see because there's sub drafts going on and stuff. And I was like, eh, I might grab him, but he was gone. He's already gone in all of, all of my leagues. So, I'd imagine or, or the leagues I'm drafting in, I should say. Oh, okay. I thought you were meaning like your dynasty leagues. So you were talking well, yeah, that's, in your redraft leagues. No, I meant I meant like the dynasty subdrafts and stuff. If he was available, I was going to consider taking him because those think, are, those are going on right now. But he's not; he's gone. Yeah, he was closing Tampa all the way through the end of last year, if I recall. So I'm sure he's owned, and some people who thought he yeah. was going to be completely useless and cuttable now all of a sudden have themselves a possible closer. You know, Steckenrider's yeah. his main competition, and Steckenrider, you know, he did all right last year, but it's not like he did anything to. Say that, yeah, I, this is my gig now. So, yeah, I, I'd say it's likely that Romo gets has the edge at that. If he comes into spring training and absolutely blows up, maybe it won't happen. But I'd say he's got the inside role, too. Yeah. And the thing is, is saves are saves. I mean, whatever you think of Sergio Romo, if he's getting saves, even if it's 15 to 20 saves, ultimately, you know, that there's some value there, especially early in the season. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Next one, Gerardo Parra signed a deal with the Giants. There's a team that there's playing time opportunities. Do we care for fantasy? Uh, I would say no on that one. <laughs> I yeah, agree. No, I'm, just, I'm just not interested. I mean, maybe in, a, maybe in a deep league if you're just looking for somebody that can get at bats, but I'm just I'm not really too interested. He was he was okay in stretches with the Rockies, but it's also Colorado edge, you know, and that's that's kind of gone and no. Yeah, in Colorado last year he had four hundred and forty three at bats and he had six home runs and eleven steals yeah. in that park. Yeah. So if he's doing that in Colorado and now all of a sudden he's playing his games in um San Francisco, yeah, that doesn't seem like a, a an opportunity for fantasy goodness. Yeah, and kind of, kind of done with him. <laughs> Final signing that I saw this that I was going to bring up is Brett Anderson signs with Oakland for a year. He pitched there last year, got a, 
I think he had 17 starts, 4480 RA. He was okay, not special. In any chance you'll roster him in any of your leagues or wait and see? Um, I would say probably not. I, I used to actually like Brett Anderson, but yeah. I'm kinda I just think he's kinda cooked at this point. I mean he's He's not terrible though. I will say that. It wouldn't shock me if he had like a little stretch where he was he was solid. He's he's not terrible, but I can't I it's hard to get excited about him just because he's constantly hurt. I mean it's what do you think? I mean, do you have any opinion on him? I loved him early in his career too. The guy just couldn't stay healthy. He was I guess the two thousand nine, two thousand ten version of Mark Pryor and um Rich Harden for me. I just kept biting yeah. every year and it seemed like he disappointed me and was getting hurt. So I you know, I was really desperate for pitching in a redraft auction league last year and I do remember having him for part of that and I was streaming him in in there in a fifteen team league. But if you're in a twelve team league, no. And fifteen, I probably still am not looking to draft him. He might be somebody I'm watching early in the year. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Okay. No more signings to talk about, but we do have a couple other news bits. Um, Just on Wednesday afternoon, Mike Maddox, pitching coach for the Cardinals, announced that, or he was talking about Carlos Martinez and if he could be used in the bullpen again. And he kind of, he didn't answer it specifically, but he said it was really cool watching him pitch out of that bullpen last year, wasn't it? He really liked, and he said, I really liked it a lot. Up till now, I was thinking that this guy was going to be a starter this year, unless anything, unless he had more shoulders problems. I do remember you telling me a couple months ago you were worried about him. So, why don't you just shed some light on your thoughts on Carlos? what do you? How about you start? Because you're the Cardinal fan here, so I want to hear what you got to say on this one. Before I thought that last year was a fluke thing. I thought he had a shoulder deal. And the beginning of August when he came, when he was getting healthy and ready to come back, or I think it was the end of August because minor league seasons were ending and they thought, well, to get this guy ready, it's going to take a month of rehab and he wouldn't even be back till a week or two before the season ends. We're in a playoff race. Let's just get him back here now and use him out of the pen and have a really nice piece in the bullpen late because we've got some arms we can use. That was my thought. And I thought, well, he'll be right back to starting. And I had him in one of my other dynasty leagues. Unfortunately, that league folded, so I don't have him anymore. But I wasn't really worried about it. And I thought, as a dynasty owner this offseason, I thought he was a hold because his value was down. People were worried about him. And that if you could have gotten full value, yeah, I would have sold him. But I was under the assumption he was going to, he's going into the year as a starter all offseason until I heard this today. And even then, the way they were talking, I still think he'll start the year in the rotation. But if he has anything happen, if he if his elbow or shoulder starts giving him any problems, he's struggling to go deep in the games. Maddox just showed Maddox just said it was awesome. And it sounds like he loved him in that pin. So I personally I'd be worried. I'm he was already knocked down in redraft leagues and I really wasn't targeting him there. Now I'm definitely out unless he just falls way down. Yeah, it looks like on NFBC, he's going like in the Charlie Morton, Kyle Hendricks, Chris Archer range. Mm -hmm. I think I would take all three of them over him. I just, yeah, yeah, I just, 
I just, there's just too many question marks for me. I, I don't know how many innings he's going to throw. I don't trust his health. I don't know for sure he's going to be in the rotation or in the bullpen. I mean, I think he's probably going to be in the rotation, but I just got a I lot don't know. of arms there. Yeah, they've got a they've got a Miles Mikolas, Jack Flaherty, Waka, Carlos Martinez, Alex Reyes, Adam Wainwright. If he's pitching well in the spring, he's probably going to get a gig. And they have a couple other guys that they were using at the end of the year that they could plug in there too. So I don't. They don't have to keep him in there unless every their pitching staff just blows up this year. So, yeah, yeah I it's think, just this. No, go ahead. Okay, I just think between him and Reyes, I I could see both of them bouncing in and out this year. We'll we'll talk more about Reyes down the line, but I I could see either of those. I could see both those guys bouncing in and out during the year. So, I'm worried. Well, there's my horn. I guess I'm on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm yeah, on auto, sure. so that one doesn't matter. But that's my dynasty startup. I did <laughs> Sean Manea just now. <laughs> Our listeners will appreciate that horn. So <laughs> got anything to worry about there? Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said with Martinez, I just I'm good where he's at. I, somebody else can have him. I, I, yep. I might be I might be wrong. I think he has arm talent and stuff like that. I I mean I get it, but there's just I feel like it's slightly declining skills and the health is just not there. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm not in. Yep. Okay. Next thing. This one's not really fantasy related, but I still wanted to talk about it. CC Sabathia on Wednesday announced that he's retiring after this year. So after having a awesome career and he's one of the, one of the, he's been around since 2001, man, 18 year career. He's going to have here by the time it's all said and done. And he's at 246 wins, which it may be a while since we see a until we see a pitcher get that again. I don't know what Verlander's at. He might be in that ballpark, but no, he didn't even come up till 2007. But CC's had a heck of a career. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, yes, he he's. Uh, I've actually liked him the last couple of years. Verlander has 204 wins, by the way, but I. Um, I kind of liked where CC's at in the last few years. You can get him right at the end of drafts, and I feel like he's, you know, he's all right. I mean, he, he's not the pitcher he used to be, but he's chugged along for a long time. So I can't remember. Has he won a Cy Young Award? I want to say he has. Yeah, I did. He with Milwaukee. Uh, I, I was remember. just about to say when he came, he was traded to Milwaukee that year, so I doubt he got it. But I, I remember that year when he was traded to Milwaukee down for that stretch run. There were people saying he should be getting MVP votes, even yeah. though he was there for only three or four months. He was that dominant for that team on that run. So, Yeah, when he went over there, I remember that, that stretch that he had was just crazy. And yeah, he did win uh, 2007. He 2007 with the Indians? With, with Cleveland, yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Next thing, I just heard that Gabe Kapler is saying that Mike Mikel Franco and Sean Kingery or Scott Kingery are both going to be competing for playing time at third. This kind of surprised me. I I figured Kingery was just going to be the utility guy floating around anywhere. Do you think? Do you give any credence to this, or you think it's just mm. him talking? I think it's just talk. I, I mean, it could be. Yeah, it could be true. It just this. This time of the year before they've even played spring training games. and I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to those with guys like that because 
they're kind of close. I mean, I've, I've kind of always thought that too. Franco would start and Kingry would be like the all over the field type. But, um, I mean, I could be wrong. If, if Franco comes out and has a horrible spring and Kingery's killing it, you know, you never know. Could switch yeah. it around. I feel you like know. nobody nobody knows some of this stuff now. It's, it's just talk. Kingery had a lot of helium in fantasy this point last year, and it was a rough oh, yeah. year for him. So, But Franco didn't have a great year either. But there, I, I do know – I don't remember – know as much. Look, I haven't looked up Kingery's page and really dove into his stats last year. But Franco showed that last year – was there was some bad luck in there and there could be some he could take another step back i think so yeah for sure uh sticking with the phillies jake arietta had knee surgery in january nobody knew about it and gabe kapler just told the told the media today or on wednesday i should say um he's supposed to be ready for the season uh any fear in that do, do you own him anywhere didn't you oh you just traded him in roto masters right no i still own him Okay, you were talking a deal with him a couple weeks ago. That's where I, what I must be getting mixed up. You worried at all? Uh, not really. I mean, he kind of is what he is at this point. You know, he's a little older. He's coming down from the peak that he had. And I guess on the team that I own him, I'm not really counting on a lot from him. So it's like, you know, you just hope you can get what you get and kind of go on. But That's the nice part. I think, if you're, I think if you're counting on too much from Jake Arrieta at this point, you're probably in trouble. I wouldn't want to be counting on too much. But if you can get him, I mean, nobody seems to like him anymore, you know. So if you can get him at the right spot in your draft or in a trade, I mean, I don't think it's terrible because he should eat innings. And you just hope that maybe you get a little bit of luck on your side and he has a decent year. I, my expectations have lowered quite a bit the last couple of years with him. So The K, the K rate's dropping. I, I, that was the big thing that stood out to me when I was seeing his stats last year. Man, yeah. I'm I'm in a dynasty startup and it's round 31 and he must have went somewhat recently. I was shocked at how late that guy went in this thing. Yeah. I thought he might even still be out there, but I just looked. No, he somebody has scooped him up. So, all right, final piece of news: James Caprillion of the Oakland Athletics. He's he's had Tommy John surgery in 2017. hasn't thrown a pitch since 2016, and he's already got a lat strain and it's going to be shut down for the next few weeks. Really not much to say here other than, man, that guy just can't get back healthy. Yeah. He's thrown 29 innings in the minor minor leagues between 15 and 16 and hasn't pitched since. And a lot of talent, but it's just, it sucks. Yeah. There are a lot of guys that were banking on big things out of him in Dynasty. And this goes back to the whole 10-step format that, or 10-step oh, that yeah. a lot of people say in for those of you who don't know, in Dynasty, they say there is no such thing as a prospect pitcher. That's what Tim Stapps stands for. Yeah. Guys like him give credence to that because, like with a hitter, you usually don't have to worry about them just having injury after injury. You just have to worry about performance. And with pitchers, you got both. And unfortunately, Caprillians falls under that same umbrella that Hunter Harvey and Dylan Bundy dealt with that for a while, Tyon. Sometimes those guys just, it takes them a while or they never even make it. Oh, who's the Royal? Kyle, Kyle Zimmer. Kyle Zimmer, yeah. Man, that guy was a top 50 prospect in some rankings a couple of years ago. And he's still, guy. his arms just shredded, unfortunately. Yeah. Sucks. 
Okay. Well, I think there's a good chance to take a break here in a moment, but I forgot to mention at the top of the show, we're going to talk positional rankings for the next few weeks. And because that's the most important thing for most everybody as we're going into draft season. And a lot of people have redraft leagues going on. And since we're starting this podcast so late into the season, in terms of a lot of people have already started draft draft rankings in January, and we only got about five weeks before the opening season, we're going to try to get two in a week, two positions a week, like as in catchers and first base this week, second and short third next week third base and relief pitchers the following week and outfield and starting pitching. Those are deep positions. So we might do, but we'll probably just try to hammer one of those each of the following two weeks as we get closer to the season. So I don't know how, how long this is going to go. If it, if this podcast goes along, if we're, if, if it seems like it's too long, we may cut it into two episodes. If not, we'll keep it in one. We'll just see. So we're going to take a break and here on the other side, we'll get into rankings. That sound good, Andrew. Sounds good. Andrew, here, what do you think about catcher in general in terms of the position as a whole right now? Uh, I think it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think the top few are pretty good, but I think it just drops off dramatically and yeah, I, I just I think it's pretty ugly most of the way down. Now, Andrew, you've actually you had an NFBC draft, and we both had a um, Jory set up some draft and hold leagues on Baseball Three Sixty Five a few weeks ago, and we both joined a different draft and hold league where they're doing something really cool where Fantrax it's all on the Fantrax website, and Tim Wagner with Fantrax is even giving out some bonuses to the top point scores throughout this the, th- at the end of the season. And either way, you've done a couple draft and hold leagues now. Were you one to go early on catcher to maybe tr- what, when were you getting catchers in these leagues? Were you waiting or were you trying to get the early ones or somewhere in between? Um, in the, uh, I did an NFBC draft champions and i took gary sanchez actually that was one of the one of the first ones we're going to talk about i'm sure Uh um i took him and i think my second one was wellington castillo okay i I think i got him in like the you know 18th 19th round uh i got him in the um the other one that we're doing that jory set up the dh7 draft and holds for baseball 365 i took him i took him in the fourth round in the nfbc one and i took him in the seventh round in the other one because the nfbc is two catcher and i think that he vastly makes a difference in that format in the other one with it being one catcher it was more just a thing i i didn't even really target him there because i was going to wait but it was more just the thing where i think he's going to have a big year and he, he just slipped you know, and it was like, mm-hmm. okay, it's late in the seventh round, and I'm just going to take him. So, well, that was, what was nice in that, that was OBP also, which also is correct, incredibly yeah. good for Gary Sanchez because yeah. he's incredibly good at taking walks. Okay, so we're going to just go down these rankings, and the way that we're looking at it, it's on NFBC. It seems to be the best way to really see what people are doing. We've got it set to draft champions because that's where they are playing in money leagues. 
and um, I've got it ranked just from January 1st to now, which is about the middle of February. That way that it, we're seeing rankings that are recent as compared to seeing what people are doing in November, where things may be a little changed since then. Maybe guys were free agents that have signed since. So, And topping it off are the top two, and I don't think it's easy to talk, with, talk about one without the other because their ADP is actually less than a pick apart, and that's JT Real Muto, who was just traded to the Phillies, and Gary Sanchez with the Giant or with the uh, Giants. I saw New York and nah, well, yeah, yeah, the other New York, the other New York team, the Yankees. <laughs> so you've taken Gary Sanchez twice. Does that tell me straight up you'd rather have Gary Sanchez over Real Muto? I would. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm in the minority on that, and that's okay. Um. I think Real Muto's great. In real life, I think he's a better real life catcher than Gary Sanchez, but a lot of that comes with, you know, the defense and stuff like that. The leadership skills, you know, things like that that just don't matter in fantasy. I mean, to me, Gary Sanchez has the potential at that position in a two catcher, you know, I'm I'm all, I'm thinking two catcher 15 team where you start 30. He has the potential to break it i mean i think there's a chance that the guy can hit upper 30s home runs i mean we haven't quite seen it yet but he hit 33 i think it was a couple years ago uh, last year he was out for a large portion of the season and i just think last year if people have last year in their mind too much they just need to not worry about it he finished 10th at the position last season he played 89 games he That's still incredible. hit. Yeah, he st- he still hit seventeen home runs. Eighteen home runs. 18, eighteen home runs. Yeah, eighteen home runs. And the year before, when he played one hundred and twenty plus games. Yeah, it was one twenty two. I got to say here. He was num- he was number one at the position. <clears throat> yeah, and he hit and he hit. You know, he hit double the home runs JT Real Muto did that year. I mean, obviously. We're not thinking too much about steals. I know JT Rumuto can get a handful, you know, five to ten steals, whatever. But I guess if you want to factor that in, that's fine. I don't think about it too much. And I just think Sanchez has more power and average is kind of a fluky up and down thing. I, I would pre- I would predict Rumuto to hit for a higher average, but I feel stronger that Sanchez will hit for more power. And the Marlins, yeah. you know, the Marlins lineup to me, or the uh, the Marlins, the Yankees lineup to me is better than the Phillies, et cetera. You know, the park, all that. I will say, I think that now that Real Muto's on the Phillies, I think it closes the gap. And I do think yes. it's, I do think it's very close. I do, but I just want the guy that has the up the ceiling. I just, and I really think that Gary Sanchez, in a best case scenario, he can just blow away the entire field at catcher the the catching crop is just so middling and mediocre and not good that he doesn't even have to be that great to be a difference maker so have we had a catcher since mike piazza that we thought is is capable of hitting 40 home runs right yeah and and that is something gary sanchez can do correct personally i'm not really i've been in mocks i've done some drafts now I personally don't want either, and it's not really a thing against either of them as much as it is. I just, 
in those positions right around there, I'm t- I've been taking a lot of arms. They've been there, and I don't, I don't see other people do it and think that's a bad decision. It's just not my pick. I'd rather grab catchers later. But going back to those two, Gary Sanchez being in the at that 59-60 almost feels like that's his floor. As compared to Real Muto, I think that's pretty close to his ceiling. You're buying high off of Real Muto, who was had a solid year last year, and you're buying a floor. But Gary Sanchez had his floor last year, and he he's capable of so much more. That you know, he's not a fast runner. He hits. If I recall right, I'm pulling it up right now. Actually, his fly ball rate isn't near as high. Oh wait, a minute, wrong year. He doesn't hit a ton of fly balls. Forty two percent. That's not awful. That, but he isn't a fast runner, but that 187, 197 BABIP really yeah. hurt him for that 186 batting average. And yeah. if you look at his steamer proje- projections for this year, they're projecting him for 245. That's a 60 point jump. If that's the case, he could blow, he's, he could blow away those numbers. He, in 120 games, they only haven't, proje- they haven't projected for 28 home runs. And he could do so much more than that if, he, if he's on. So, I'm yeah, with the you one, on Gary Sanchez. The 197 BABIP, it's just, it just isn't going to happen again. I, no. I don't know what else to say. Like, what he did last season, unless he's hurt all season or something, which, I mean, I always feel like with that kind of thing, it can happen to anyone. I mean, JT Real Muto can get hurt too. You know, it's like anybody mm-hmm. can. So, it's, and it's just, the 197 BABIP, it's not going to happen again. He's a monster. He's in Yankee Stadium. Whatever you think about his, you know, stuff behind the plate and all that, I get it. He's not a good catcher and stuff. But as long as he qualifies at catcher in our game, I think his uh, the production just speaks for itself. So just take a guess here. Really, I mean, we're just talking. No one's listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. If you own him in a dynasty league, you know, he's going to be valuable even after he if he gets taken off that position eventually, but how long do you think he will catch? That's a good question. Actually, I, um, probably just until a better option comes along and then they can just move him to DH all the time. I would Uh think, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure when exactly that would be two to three to four years, somewhere in there. I would be probably my guess. But it's a guess. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure on that. Once he loses that catcher eligibility, it all changes in fantasy. He's Kyle Schwarber. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. He's Kyle Schwarber at that point. Or I, yeah, I'm, or I'm not saying apples to apples. Or I'm not saying that's definitely or the guy. Honestly, but or honestly, kind of it's, it's kind of like Evan Gaddis too. I mean, in a way, Good one. it's yeah, because yeah, a couple years ago, Gaddis was led the. Uh, led all catchers and, and home runs. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, the same idea, I guess. So yeah, until he, until he loses that, I, I'm probably going to be interested in him. Just, you know, you, it's some of it's chasing that big season, but I just, I think he can do it. The next moving on the next guy, kind of those two are right there at 59 and 60. The next catcher seems to be in a tier on his own in terms of the ADP at 110. Royals catcher, Salvador Perez. He's an interesting one in terms of he's just been pretty steady the last three or four years. He's been hit over 20 home runs the last four years in a row. It's he's a frustrating guy for me because he never walks. And I just I like guys that walk, but he does keep performing. 
And his strikeout rate stayed about the same. It's under 20% the last two years and actually every year of his career except 2016. So what do you have anything to say about him, really? Not really a whole lot. I don't, I don't typically get him. Um, I feel like usually with catchers, I'm taking one of the very top guys. I, I think he's a tear down from them. I actually mm-hmm. like one of the, I actually like one of the guys that we'll get to after Sal Perez a little bit more. Um, but his hard hit rate's really good. He led all catchers in hard hard percentage, so that's good. But yeah, he doesn't walk. I I feel like he's older than he than he actually is. I think he's twenty seven. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just it, gosh, it's the old it's the oldest twenty seven <laughs> you'll ever see. You know, but watching him run even feels that way. But yeah, he's yeah. been around a while. He yeah. came up the, young. I think it, if I recall right, he signed like a five year, eight million dollar contract right when he came up. So they got him up. He got up early. He got a de- major. He got a deal with the Royals, a heck of a deal. I think that deal's expired and they've extended him since then. But yeah, the good thing, the another good thing with him, I guess I could say, is that just the the fact that you know he's going to be in there. You know, he's their guy. I mean, he's he's their starter. Some of these guys, as we go down the list. There's a lot more like splitting the time and all that. And at bats at catcher are pretty big because there's a lot of catchers that don't get those at bats. So Yeah. Yeah. He and Molina are those two guys that they just seem like they're always behind the plate. Yeah. Okay. We'll move to the next here. There's let's see, five catchers here who all are going between one forty and one forty nine. Yasmani Grandal, who has recently signed with the Brewers at one forty. Wilson Ramos, he's a, um, I almost said giant again. I guess I keep saying New York and wanting to say giants, but Mets. He's a, he just signed with the Mets. Wilson Contreras at 142. Yadi Molina with the Cardinals at 147. And Buster Posey, the guy who's been in the top 50 or 60 picks for the last five, five, six, seven years, he's at all the way down to 149. So of this group, is there one of these guys that you like more than the others? Is there one of these guys that you're targeting? Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely take Grandal. And I would take uh, Yadier Molina as well. I like those two probably the most. I think Grandal could have a, a really big season. I really like him in Milwaukee. Um, he walks a ton and... We saw what, you know, we saw what the park in the lineup did for like Yelich and Kane. Not that he's like the level of hitter that they are, but it's, I just feel like he's going there. He's going to play. I mean, he's an upgrade over Manny Pena, maybe not behind the plate, but at the dish for sure. And I, I just, I think he could have a huge year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended the season as the number one catcher, if everything went right. I, I could see it. I, I think he's going to rake pretty much all year yeah you really could make an argument that of all catchers he's got the second highest upside now that he's in miller park i mean yeah behind gary sanchez i mean i think he's got more upside than real muto does even who is going to philly but miller park is just fantasy goodness there's so many it's a stacked lineup it's a great ballpark to hit in I don't know if there's many better places to go in the National League than go to Milwaukee. 
So. I've I've always been big on even since like you know ten years ago back when I was doing you know ten team leagues with my buddies. But I've always been big on lineup and ballpark because I feel like too many times people just think about just the player, and that's important to do, obviously. But situation is pretty big too, and it's. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's just a great spot for him. I I, I think he's going to go there. He's going to be energized, and you know the Brewers last year they're just they're just playing you know with their hair on fire like type of team. And I just think he's going to fit right in, and I think he's going to be awesome. So I like him. I do. I wanted to say on uh, Yachty, I haven't gotten. I've got him in uh, two of my three dynasty leagues. I know it's funny to say dynasty in him because he's like 36. <laughs> but, but the thing, I like him right now. I know I've mentioned this to you before, but I like him right now because I feel like he's cheap. And more so in the dynasty aspect than his redraft, what we're talking about. But I just, he just produces, man. Like he's out there. He's going to catch. He's not moving off the position. Some of these guys you think like, oh, are they going to lose their catcher eligibility? And oh, are they going to split time? No, he's starting at catcher. That's it. And he's productive, period. And I I feel like he's going to be that way until he retires. Like almost kind of like David Ortiz or what I think now of Nelson Cruz, obviously not that same player. But he's old enough now to where I don't really think he's going to just drop off the table. I, I think he's just good to go for these next however long he has left. One, two, three years. I don't know how long it'll be, but I think he's he's good. I mean, he he's means good. so much to that pitching staff, too. He means – I was telling you this the other day, but – and you may already have known this story, but Tony La Russa was interviewed in about um, a few years after Yachty came up. And when he came up in 2004 – he, his first couple of years, he wasn't hitting hardly at all. He was not the offensive player that he became, which was a pretty decent one. I think he was the number one catcher a few years there. And Tony La Russa said he could have hit, he could have gone the entire season without a hit, and I'd still play him every day because of his defense and how much he means to our pitching staff. Yeah. He's that valuable, and that's why he plays every day. I mean, they've had other guys that they've had up and comers, but they can't afford to take him out of there. Whenever they've, whenever he's missed time with injury because he's gotten older and he's been dinged up the last few years, that's hurt that team because he he just he he's a general with that pitching staff. So, yeah, for sure. No doubt. So, I'm the Cardinal fan, and we haven't said this yet, but you are a Cub fan. So yeah. Wilson Contreras, I want to ask you about him because reading, like looking at his FanGraphs page. His underlying stats looked pretty much the same between last year and the year before. The main difference I saw was his home run to fly ball rate. In 2017, when he hit 21 home runs, and that's in 117 games, he had a home run to fly ball rate, let's see, where is it, 26%. And then last year, it plummeted all the way to 9%. That's two extremes on each end. Yeah. It shed some light as there. Do you, did you are you seeing something that I'm not? Man, Contreras is a tough one for me. I I uh, I think he kind of falls somewhere in between what the expectation was for him going into last year 
and what he actually did last year. I know that it may sound like a cop-out answer, but I don't think he's as bad as he showed last year, but I do think that he was a little overrated just in general coming into that. He hits the ball on the ground too much. It's the mm-hmm. ground ball. It's just too many ground balls. It's. I think he was like second or third when I looked at um, ground ball percentage among catchers. I mean, it's just it's too much. And the home run fly ball rate fluctuated, but there's just there's just not enough fly balls. I mean, yep. we'll see. It, it, there's not a lot of change in what's happened with him over the last three years, other than just you know those things which are kind of luck factors so it's kind of hard to evaluate as far as that goes but I think he'll fall somewhere in between there and he'll be productive I mean he's gonna play but I don't really know if he's like that elite guy that people were dreaming about you know a couple years ago yeah I own him in Roto Masters too and I was pretty pumped after 2017 and you know I had a my wife had a kid that year so I was definitely occupied with our daughter being in her first year and I did not watch much baseball that summer. And I don't think I noticed that he had a 26% home run to fly ball rate, or maybe I would have been fielding offers a little more on him that off season, but though it, you know, you don't want to cop out and be like, say the somewhere in between, but when you have extremes on both ends that are that far, this is a situation where it does seem like it's the right thing to say is, Maybe a maybe if he can have a fifteen percent home or fifteen sixteen percent home run to fly ball rate this year, which you know it's luck, but that's about where I'd be guessing going in with a guy like that in a park like that. Then hitting something like fifteen sixteen home runs over a full season probably sounds about right. Yeah, who do you? Uh, I know we didn't quite get to Ramos and Posey, but who do you uh, like out of this group? I'm with you on Grandal. I th- I think going to Milwaukee, I think that's the guy. Um, in a in an on base percentage league, Grandal holds a lot more value because of his walks. I mean, he's ten to fifteen per ten to fourteen percent just about every year. In a redraft, I've not been or in a batting average league, I haven't been too high on him with the home runs just because I like guys that'll at least not kill me in the batting average, and I know catchers just about all of them do. Yeah. But he's not been a target for me the last few years. I think he would be you know, on mine this year. I think it's arguable to have him right there with Salvador Perez. I think he should be closer to Perez than with the rest of this group. And yeah, yeah I agree. To talk about, I do want to add one blurb on Ramos. Um, I, when I was doing some digging on him, he had a 306 batting average, which was a lot, a, a lot higher than he's been the previous year or two. And I noticed that came with a 353 BABIP. So if you do own him, don't be, if you do, are you thinking about drafting him or if you drafted him, don't be banking on another 300 year if his stats stay the same and the underlying numbers. I'd be more going into the year, especially going into a park like New York, hoping and expecting like a 260 batting average. So I just want to throw that in there. He's actually the, uh, Ramos is the one catcher. That hit the ball on the ground more than Contreras. <laughs> so, I noticed that when I was looking, and I was yeah. I was about to do buyer beware on that, and then I realized he always hits the ball on the ground, it looks like. So I was like, okay, I can't use that in my argument against him, but that BABIP I'm going to use. Buster Posey, top 60 guy before, now all the way down here. It, it almost feels like a hedge because – 
on them because he was not good at all last year. He, I mean, but you, any interest or you just think that this is probably going to continue going down the direction it went last year? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm messing with Posey. I there's some guys that I feel like people hold on to the name too long. And I think this is one of those guys. I think if his name was John Williams and not Buster Posey, he'd be going like way lower than this. You know, it's just people think, oh, it's Buster Posey and he was the best catcher in the league just not that long ago. And I don't know. I just. The he can Joe still get, he can, syndrome. Right. He can still get on base. I'll give him that. Obviously, you know, he's good in OBP and he's going to hit for average. I mean, he's. He can still do that stuff, but the power has gone down. I think it's five or six years in a row. It's just, it's just completely going away. Five years and in a row. and God, I'll tell you this. I'm not saying this is coming this year, but when that day comes and he's not a catcher, forget it. He's huh. done. Like, That's in, when he is Joe Mauer. In, yeah, in fantasy, you can just absolutely forget about him. Yeah, because at the very least right now, you can at least hope for... I mean, he hit 284 on this bad season, and he should still be up yeah. there in terms of the batting average, but it's an empty batting average. So, not yeah, I'm not too excited either. Yeah, I think once once it gets to around there is where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to wait. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, you can wait. This next group is like 100 picks plus later, so... And Posey belongs closer to that. I mean, there are guys down there. There are some of those guys that I think are real close to him when I look at them. So the next tier, we we go all the way from 149 with Buster Posey. And the next tier doesn't start until pick 241. So at that point, we're talking the 16th round. So these guys are going a lot later. Nine, Danny Jansen, Toronto catcher, young guy who... And it looks like he's about to get his cr- first crack at the starting gig this year after they traded Russell Martin. Or did did they trade Russell Martin or did he walk? I think they traded him, right? Yeah, they traded him. Okay. And then they got Jan Gomes, who just signed with Washington at 251. And then Mike Zunino at 253. Jorge Alfaro, who was just traded to Miami at 253. Francisco Mejia at 257. And Wellington Castillo at 263. There's a few guys here that are interesting to me, and not not as in, in fantasy, but just confusing to me. For starters, Jorge Alfaro, Alfaro, he now going to Miami. That that I imagine that moves him out of this tier if he was even there to begin with. You agree or disagree? Um, I I don't know. I th- I like Alfaro. More than Mejia, I think this year, just for just on a playing time, you know, just on playing time alone. Um, the thing with Alfaro is that obviously the Marlins are worse than the Phillies, so that part is a downgrade. The park is worse, that part's a downgrade. The upgrade is that I think they're going to let him just play, play, play all the time. I think they have no pl- reason not to. Yeah, they have no reason not to. The the Phillies. Um, I could see a scenario, you know, obviously reversing, like if that trade hadn't happened, if, if Alfaro was really struggling, they may have tried to, you know, get other guys in there and stuff like that. I just think Miami's going to let him go and play. So I think it is a slight downgrade, but not a lot, not really. I, I cause I just think he's going to play more, more than he did last year on Philly. 
that guy's got to cut his strikeout rate. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. 36% strikeout rate last year. That is brutal. Yeah. But Francisco, I want you to, I want ahead. you to, I want you to talk about your boy, Danny Jansen. Cause I know that's your guy. I like Danny Jansen. Again, this goes to hit tool and I'm a big fan of guys that have got a hit tool. Danny Jansen was completely off radars two years ago. And then he had an eye. He realized he had an eye problem, had some, I think, I don't remember if he had LASIK or not. I mean, he does wear goggles. So whatever it was that was going on with his eyes, he got that fixed. And all of a sudden, he, his walk and K rates were about the same in the minor leagues. In 2017, he, and let's just say in 52 games in AA, he bounced around between A all the way up to AAA in 2017. And in AA is where he played the most games. He had a 10.5% walk rate and a 9% K rate. That compared to 2016 where it was around 18%. He was always walking, but he wasn't a big, much of a prospect until that the drop in the K rate. So... He's not a, he hasn't shown a lot of pop yet, but moving to the major leagues, sometimes those balls, which are more juiced, you can see somebody hitting more out of here, out of the ballpark. And his ground ball rate in the major leagues last year was only 33%. It looks like it was between 40 and 45 in the minors. I'm a fan. I think with the, I think with, I just love guys who can take a walk and doesn't, don't strike out much in my dynasty league that folded. It was a one-catcher league, and I owned Danny Jansen in my minors, and I owned Real Muto in the majors. And I had Real Muto on the block just because I felt that good about Jansen and thought this real moving Real Muto might be a good way for me to sell him while he's at his peak, get myself some sort of real good piece back because of his value being right there as a top three, top two catcher in Dynasty. And unfortunately, the league folded, and I never got a try. But yeah. I was looking forward to having Danny Jansen as my catcher. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on Jansen. I, uh, at catcher, I just, when it gets to this point, I'm kind of like, just take your guy and take somebody that you think can outproduce their ADP, basically. Um, I don't think, like, when you look at a lot of these names, I want the guy that I almost don't know as much about, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I feel like Danny Jansen could, cause some of these guys, some of these other guys, it's like, we've seen them and you kind of have this idea. Okay. This is what he is. I feel like Jansen could come out. I truly think he could be a top five catcher. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying it will happen, but, um, I definitely like him here because that that, was the- there's, there's that unknown. There's that, uh, you know, the upside, it just, it makes you feel good about it. And it's, it's a good hitting environment in Toronto. There's hitters parks through that division. He's going to play. I mean, they traded, uh, they traded Russell Martin. They've opened it up for him. And I, I like him. I definitely like him. I hear Toronto's got some third baseman coming up that might actually be able to hit yeah. around him in the lineup and maybe help a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that we'll guy talk might, about that guy might be game. all right. Yeah. <laughs> so Francisco Mejia's right there at right behind him at 257 the guy doesn't even look like he's got a job right now what do you yeah i don't know how on earth he's that high do you or do you disagree with me or do you where are no, you at with him um i'm with you i i don't get how he's this high i mean that said again though it is catcher so it's almost like if you like him more than some of these names below that you just 
think are boring and you because sometimes it just comes down to replacement level value too you know like if you if he struggles and you can just pick somebody up that's going to do the same as some of these other guys it's okay but um with Mejia he's in the NL now and like whatever you think of Austin Hedges he's a better catcher than Mejia yes whatever you think of him I mean in fantasy you may not like him or you may sit there and go oh yeah Mejia can hit and he's just a better hitter than Hedges but Hedges is a much better catcher so, and that matters because there's no, you can't throw him at DH. I mean, what are you going to do? You know? And then if they try and move Mejia to another position, that's going to hurt his value too in future seasons more. I mean, obviously this year he would still be, uh, qualify a catcher, but yeah, I think it feels high. I sold him in a dynasty that I had him last year and I, I don't really regret it yet. I mean, I, I feel like he could be all right, but he's just kind of trying to make his way in this whole, uh, Major League Baseball thing, you know, it's just, it's not easy. I'm so. worried about him. I don't think that guy's ever going to be a full-time catcher on a good team. I think it seems like more and more pe- teams are paying attention to your de- your defense as a catcher is mattering more and more and your offense less and less. And a guy like that, and, you know, it it's making me rethink dynasty leagues with catchers in general in terms of if you're not an elite catcher, I'm like defensively, I'm not going to, and you're ranked real high. If you're ranked high and you're just an okay catcher defensively, I'm not going to be interested near as much as the field because yeah. it just, I, he is this way. And, you know, Keebert Ruiz is up coming up in the dot for the Dodgers right now. And I kind of, I'm hearing the same things about him. And it makes me think, huh, that's kind of, that's, that's troubling because if you're, if you're not, somebody that they can trust to be behind the plate they're gonna they're not gonna play you yeah yeah that's for sure i i've kind of changed my thought on prospect catchers uh in the last i'd say year year and a half i last year uh going into the season well it was a little bit it was probably around this time i want to say in uh roto masters one i had my catchers were gaddis Mejia and Alfaro, and uh, I think I might have had one other guy. And I remember all I was thinking it because Gaddis was going to lose catcher eligibility last year. We kind of knew that. And all I was thinking is, oh, I'm going to be set when Alfaro and Mejia hit in their prime, and I'm, it's just going to be <laughs> great. And it's like these young guys that are catchers that – are ranked highly on lists and stuff. You've got to be careful because it takes time for them to learn the position. And, you know, there's just so much that goes into catching it. It's, it's not just an easy road. I mean, when you look at Alfaro at 12 and in the NFBC ranks, and I kind of have liked Alfaro, like in the past, it's kind of disgusting to see that though. It's like number 12, really? Like mm-hmm. he has not been that good. All right. Well, let's go to the next tier. And, Number 15 on these rankings is a really interesting guy. Williams, I don't even know how to say his name. Astadillo? Do you know how to, have you heard a pronunciation on him? I think it's Astadillo, but I'm not not 100% on that. He's an interesting guy. If you haven't seen him, he'd be worth Google searching just to look at a picture of him because he's a real pudgy guy who does not move and his hitting. The guy doesn't walk or strike out ever. He's last 
I mean, his walk and strikeout rates, his walk rate for the last few years has been somewhere between 2 and 4%, but his strikeout rate is usually somewhere between 3 and 5%. The guy just always sw- he swings at everything and never misses. <laughs> yeah. In a Rotomasters 2, Benny, Benny Jimmy James owns him, and I know they, him and Ryan Andrew love that guy. What are your thoughts on oh, that? Yeah. Man, he is interesting, man. <laughs> he, uh, 81 strikeouts in 2,265 minor league at bats. <laughs> That's that just is, a month for Joey Gallo. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is crazy, man. I, it, this is one of those guys I don't have a strong opinion on either way, but. It's another one where we haven't fully seen it yet. If you like him, just go with it. Because the guys below him, we kind of know that they're just meh. Dreh. You know, just kind of the dregs, you know. It's just if you like him, go with it. I mean, I don't I don't have any problem with somebody that uh wants to take a shot on him. I actually did take him in that uh the DH seven league. I took him as my second yeah, my second catcher. After I took Sanchez, it was a ways down because I waited a while, obviously, because I plan on playing Sanchez. But it was a ways down. I forget what round. It was It was way down there. But I ended up getting him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can buy into that. I can buy into him. So if Benny and Ryan I, are listening right now, they'll say, well, I wonder how long it'll be before you're benching Gary Sanchez for this guy. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> The, only, the but, only thing I guess the only thing I guess I'm not for sure on, and I'll admit I haven't looked really too much into this, is if he's even going to start the season as the starter, or what is going on there? Because I know they've got their other their other options aren't great. I mean, I like him the most, obviously, but um, I know they've got Garver, Mitch Garver, yeah, yeah, they've got Garver, and uh, there's another one. Isn't there another one? Yeah, it's it's no one that's that good, but when it's a guy like that where he hasn't quite proven it at this level either. Oh, uh, Jason Castro. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Which, who's an incredible pitch framer. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. It's like I just wonder if he'll start out of the gate is the only thing. I, but, yeah, if he is, I, I, I like him. I would take him over Mejia, I think. I mean, for sure. It's interesting, and I haven't looked into this, but – he had 12 home runs in 78 games in AAA last year. And before that, you know, in all of his stops, he hadn't hit five home runs anywhere, which so that he saw a little jump in power and he hit three and 30 games with the twins. So he found some power last year and he wasn't yeah. trading it for strikeouts. He was still not striking out. So interesting guy, but I agree with you on the playing time with a pitch framer like, oh, I just blanked on his name. Jason Castro. Castro. Yeah. Castro there. I don't know about the playing time either. So, all right, let's go to the next tier. Uh, five more catchers that are going between 283 and 300. Isaiah Keener Falifa with Texas at 283. Tucker Barnhart, who's in Cincinnati at 286. Robinson Chirinos, who just signed with Houston, he's at 291. Francisco Cervelli, 296. And Austin Hedges at 299. Any of these guys even interest you or meh? You don't even want any of them. No, I, I would take. I know some people like Kiner Falefa because of the. Uh, there's a little bit of stolen base potential there, 
Um, I would truly, if it got to this tier, I would take the one, the last one, whichever <laughs> yep. one. Yeah, it just, I'm, I'm like really big on price. You know, what does it cost me to acquire this guy? I'm, I'm constantly thinking about that. And to me, if one of these guys went in like round 15 and one of these guys went in round 23, I don't even care which one it is. Just give me the one that's in round 23. I don't care. You know, it just, it gets to a point like that where that's just how I'm thinking. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to block these guys off and I want the last one. They're all let the, just let a guy. the other guys. Yeah. Let the other guys guess. Cause yeah, they're all just a guy. And if I'm, if I'm at this point anyways, I'm probably going to be using money on one in fab or whatever I'm doing, trading for one, something like that. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I own Austin hedges and Rotomasters too. I, I still w- was a fan of him, but the strikeout rate is high. He started hitting for a little better average there after he came back from an injury in, in the second half of last year, his underlying stats always seemed like his batting average was a little lower than it should have been. But I think he was hitting under 200 before the injury and at least got a little better, but, and Robinson Chirinos, that was a guy who I was kind of interested about with him going to Houston and doing some digging this offseason, I noticed that he had a 33% K rate last year. So there could be some regression coming with that guy. So I'm with you. I, I mean, really, the last guy is probably the right move with those. And then since it's a, we play in a lot of two-catcher leagues, this is what we'd call the bottom of the barrel. Um, yeah. The final, we're just gonna, I'm just going to list all the last 10 guys off. John Hicks with Detroit at 325. Um, Jonathan, is he even the starter there? I don't think I so because he wasn't wanna, even playing yeah, there I'll, hardly at all last year. Yeah, he was playing first base when uh, when Maggie was out. Um, I think they have um, Grayson Griner. Griner. Yeah, yeah, Griner. Yeah. So I and I think he's penciled in as the starter. <clears throat> Hicks will probably sub in and out. They had McCann in in there. I remember I was trying to get catcher eligibility out of Hicks last year mm-hmm. and he got it because he, he was actually hitting pretty good, mm-hmm. but he was fir- he was first base. I think. Yeah. Only. That was when Miggy was injured. Yeah. When Miggy was hurt, he was first base and, but he was playing like a game here, a game there. And I was waiting for him to get catcher eligibility because in two catcher leagues, the way he was playing, it actually was helpful, but he kind of cooled. He cooled off down the stretch and all right. So Moving on. I will. We'll just... I do. I do want to touch on one that I kind of like out of this group. If you have to okay. go one out of this group, actually, two. I haven't I, listed I, them I... off yet. So let's list them off. Oh Jonathan... my bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep. I thought you did that. Jonathan Lucroy, three twenty five. Kurt Suzuki at three twenty nine. Omar Narvez with Seattle at three thirty one. Elias Diaz at three fifty five. Austin Barnes with the Dodgers at three fifty five. Also, Mitch Garver with Minnesota. We've mentioned him three fifty nine. Tyler Flowers at 385, Chris Iannetta 403, and Carson Kelly, who was traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks at 407. All right, which one do you like? The two that I would take a shot on here are Elias Diaz and Carson Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've I've always I've kind of like Elias Diaz. I I remember I took him last year in my draft and hold on nfbc i want to say i got him in like round 48 or 49 is like my last i think or yeah my last catcher it was like one of the last rounds and i played him for a decent portion of the year just as my second catcher he, 
there's Cervelli there, so it's kind of like a jumbled mess a little bit as far as playing time goes. But I feel like if he ever was just the starter, he's he's a good sleeper, I think. And then Carson Kelly, for obvious reasons, I mean, now he has the job, and it's just it's interesting when you get a a young guy like that, you know, that you're you haven't seen be terrible. I guess that's kind of the theme <laughs> with some of these guys. It's like and uh, he it's was at least, it's at least a little coming interesting. Up St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it's just Yachty was there, you know, Yachty was mm-hmm. there obviously, and he was never going to play. So, and he's never had consistent playing time when he has played. He hasn't shown much. I don't even know if he has a home run. I think I was seeing yesterday. He had a like 150 career at bats without a home run yet. But again, we're talking 150 at bats and he was a guy coming up who was supposed to be the guy to replace Yachty Molina as he went on. But Yachty yeah. kept resigning, so they thought it might be best to go on and give him a shot elsewhere. Yeah. Moving back to Diaz, I'm just now looking at his fan graphs page, and I haven't I don't know hardly anything about him until looking, but I can see why you see him find him interesting. Two hundred and seventy seven at bats last year. He had a seven percent seven and a half percent walk rate, which is fine, fourteen percent K rate, and ten home runs for a two eighty six batting average, which that sounds legit when you look at all the rest of the stats there. Yeah, yeah. if that guy could ever get full time playing time, that guy yeah, could it's be really, a top ten catcher. It's really just with Cervelli that you know they're just they both. It's kind of like a split job, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of takes away from both of them. But yeah, I just think he's interesting. This is another one, you know, like at, once you get to about sixteen down, like we said, from sixteen to twenty, and this from twenty one to thirty, it's. It's kind of like I just I would just take the guy that fell the furthest. I mean, I would of the group probably go for Diaz or Carson Kelly, but if they went first, I would just wait forever and take the one that was left. You know, it's just kind of. I'm currently in a redraft auction that's two catcher league, and I'm going to have to look into that and see if as we're nearing the end of the draft, and if I could throw my money elsewhere because I think I have one. I don't have either catcher drafted yet. I've waited till the bottom. And that might be a good cheap buck guy there. I'm not going to list any more after 30, but I do want to open it up. Looking at the list, is there anybody you, you would even consider as a second catcher? Um, for some reason, I can't quit Chance Cisco yet. <laughs> I I can't. I, I li- He's always touted as like a guy that can – hit a little bit you know and he's not old I mean he's still young and I think he's probably gonna start I mean there there's him and Austin wins I I um yeah I can't quit him yet I, I probably will if he sucks this year but yeah I've got a he's down there at 40 so he's like free I think I took him as my as my third catcher in one of these and I own him in the 20 team dynasty league as my second but yeah he's just a little interesting to me because I think he'll play and he's still young and you just, you never know. I think he could take a jump. Um, who did I just see here? I lost my train. Uh, there's not really many that I see here that I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to get that guy. The one, Oh yeah. The one I want to add that is one that I think is worth at least watching right now is Sean Murphy. And they in Oakland. I know there oh, yeah. are a lot of people that like him for what he's doing down there in the minor leagues. Last year in 68 games in double A, he had a eight home runs, 8% walk rate, 16% K rate. Those are pretty good, solid numbers. Play, just briefly played in the PCL at the end of the year. 
but they expect him to be up at some point. And while I wouldn't be drafting him, that's a guy who I'd be at least keeping an eye on to where if he got called up and it looked like he was going to be getting the at-bats behind the plate, that's a guy to grab. So Yeah, for sure. I can get behind that. Okay. Well, that is it for catcher. Any final words on catcher? No. I mean, just pretty much I, I think once you get past about the top seven to eight, depending on kind of what you th- kind of depending on what you think of Posey and Jansen, I would wait unless, you know, if, if you want to get one of those top guys, go for it, take your guy. But other than that, I would, uh, I would wait. Yeah. There are some that say it's good to grab that guy early because as a catcher, there's a big difference between the elite and the non elite, yeah. but yeah, I could say the same thing about other positions. You know, there are some bats that are in those early rounds that you could get eight, ten rounds later also. But on the same note, personally, me, I like grabbing closers at that spot. I really hate chasing saves and getting them. I'd rather get a couple of an elite guy or two early. And then you can always still grab a closer and be really set and just fill up catcher because, yeah, it's an advantage. You may have a disadvantage with a couple guys, but it's not that big for most everybody else because – None of the ca- or in the catching is just not an exciting position right now. So yeah, no, it's it's not definitely not. Wow, we just spent a lot of time talking catchers, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I don't think we're going to be doing first base on this episode. Really, looking at the time and how long we've talked already, I think I don't think we want to give the listeners too long of a podcast of, uh, with our very first one. So. If it's all right with you, I think maybe we'll come back in a couple of days and we'll try to get knock, knock out first baseman. Because for us to talk this long on catchers, first base, there's a lot more to talk about. You like that? Yeah, that sounds good. We'll uh, we'll be talking a lot more about the first baseman. Some of those catchers, it's just it's kind of rough. But <laughs> yeah, first yeah. base will be a lot of a lot of content there. Hopefully, so. Okay, so well. In that case, is there anything you'd like to add or plug before we kind of close this out then? Nope, not really. Just uh, doing these sub drafts and startup draft this Sunday, and it's fun times, man. It's good times. Baseball 365 has been a good place for all of us, so we appreciate all the support and all the people that will hopefully be listening to this, and uh, we'll try and keep banging these out, so. Yeah, you bring up a good point about baseball 365. We've, especially as January flu came around, we've had a lot. We people have been flooding in this last month. We've had and the conversations have been great. I'm serious when I say it's the best place on Facebook. I think to discuss baseball, I've I I hear other people saying the same thing in our group, and if there's always conversations going on. So if you're one of those people that just lives and breathes baseball and you're not in the group yet, go check it out. You, I, I promise you won't be disappointed. Yeah. yeah, it's I truly, truly love the group. It's it's just so it's just so great, man. It's just it's great. I don't yep. even know what else to say. Okay. Well, I guess we'll just close this out here then. So once again, please join us on Facebook, like I said, in our Facebook page, Baseball365. Follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. We will put links to both of those in the show notes. A huge thanks for your support and for and head to iTunes. That's the best thing you could also do to help us. Right now is we're a new podcast. We're not really looking to 
um, make financial money off of this or anything, but we we do want to, you know, for people to find us. And the best way you could do that is get on iTunes and leave us a review that and subscribe. That That's something that will go a long way towards getting our name out there. This podcast is available on any platform, but the reviews on iTunes will help us more than any of the, anything else you could do. So on that note, thank you, Andrew, and take care, everybody. All right. Take it easy.